0: the world isn't wide enough. Get immersed in the expansive views of the 48-inch customizable panoramic display in the all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid. Explore more at lincoln.com. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. It's time now for the chipping forecast issued by Folding Pocket on behalf of Andrew Cotter, Eddie Pepperell and special guest Ian Carter.
1: I am just doing wordle. Oh, I think I'm tough it. word today. Oh, I haven't Snaky. done it yet today. Oh, snake! Oh, I've ruined it for you there. Yeah, oh, you yeah. didn't do that. Seriously, have you not done it? But this is—I I wasn't. I was thinking about the listeners. You see, the listeners won't be listening to this today. So the only person I've spoiled it for is you, and that doesn't matter. Doesn't really, Ian, no, snaky. Anyway, hello everyone. Um, I think we all know that we probably peaked in this podcast with last week's episode featuring Richard Osman because he was so good, so well informed, so wise in his dissection of modern golf and modern sport and formats and Ian Mosey that it's difficult to to, uh, follow that. Uh, One of the most successful people in modern British culture on being entertaining... This week we tried to get Jay Blades from the repair shop, but uh, his demands were too high. So, but maybe it's not that bad after all. Sorry, Mabel's. um, She's she's just circling around in the beanbag. Hang on a second. You going to settle down? No. Okay. Um, You finished? Anyway, it's not that bad after all. We don't have a, a special, special, special guest. We just settle into mediocrity and there's no pressure in that. It's just uh, we're settling with Ian's <laughs> face. No, I mean, <laughs> come on. Oh. We can't... Oh, we, we're not Richard we Come on. Just,
2: yeah, but we've got some red-hot golf chat.
1: Red-hot uh-huh. golf chat. No, no. Yeah. We're just the, the, the couple that's been married for 30 years and are staying together for the children. Or just because the the alternative is is too horrible to contemplate. And so it's just, we settle into this. We're a comfy pair of shoes. Um, So anyway, comfy pair of shoes, left foot. Ian, what do you, what's, what's going on in your life?
2: Well, I just had a great week at the uh, AIG Wins Open. Um, we did a little collaboration with the on-course commentary team there. I got to ma- meet the no-laying-up guys. We might talk about that a bit later on. Uh, they're good guys, actually. And um, I thought it was really, really good week at, uh, at Walton Heath. So thoroughly enjoyed that. Got home in time to settle down and watch uh, Lucas Glover win again. Tommy Fleetwood lose again. Lots of talking points there. Just opened my emails and lo and behold, the DP World Tour's got a new schedule as well. So busy times.
1: Oh, busy, exciting times. Yes, that to talk about. Eddie's eyebrows are raised in excitement at next year's calendar, but also because he'll be back
0: out on tour this week. How are you, Eddie? I'm all right, Andrew. Uh, good, actually. All right. I hate it when people don't say good. Um, I'm good. Very well. Thank you. I'm well. Okay, excellent.
1: What about when people say, how are you? And you're not feeling very well. Do you give them a detailed description of how you're not very well, or do you just say, "Look, they weren't really inquiring after how I'm doing, so I'm just going to say I'm fine."
0: No, just say I'm fine. I think and move on.
1: Okay, I do like to let people know how um, that things are. Oh, trouble I've had with my my sciatica at the moment. Anyway, I have been recording more hours of video commentary. I know you want to know that. Thank you to uh, Jack Petullo who reminded us, who emailed in. The chipping forecast at foldingpocket.co.uk. He reminded us of one more line from David Ferti among the approximate eight lines of commentary that he and Gary McCord did combined for Tiger Woods '04. Um, so if he hit it miles into the rough, <laughs> he was. I do remember this one. He said, "Nice lie, if you're a bovine like that." <laughs> uh, and uh, so every time he hit into the rough, that was the only one. That was the only line. You'd see it sailing into the rough and you go, "Here comes the bovine line again, the bovine line." Um, so there we are. So I've been uh, shouting Polish rugby club names this morning at about half past eight. That was. I
0: I do need someone to come in and confirm my stiffy comment. I am I am certain I'm not really. Uh... You know, making that up, I'm positive, but I really, I couldn't find it on Google. I was Googling David Ferretti Stiffy and all sorts of yeah. things and taking me to some odd places. So um, please, someone out there, confirm that I'm not going mad just yet.
1: Well, there are, because I went on YouTube to watch, you can see people doing a full playthrough of Tiger Woods 04. And so you'll get 11 hours of somebody just playing the Predator, the Highlands course or whatever. And I watched, you know, about about half an hour of this this guy just chopping his way around the predator course, which was very difficult, just so that I could see if I could hear the line, nice lie, if you're a bovine. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: It did happen, uh, but generally speaking, it was just, like, they would have a double bogey, and Gary McCord would go, oh, double bogey. Uh, What? Why am I shouting Polish rugby club names in a variety of intonations? So this You're is just... for a
2: rugby game on the computer, yes, and 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 the and the breadth of it goes all the way to Poland.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, so Poland, the Romanian club names, Tongan club names, and and so you, every single player in the World Cup, and a lot more beyond that. You'll say the every name in a variety of intonations. So imagine they're within twenty meters. How how's the intonation going to be? Uh, and so it's it's a long. A long arduous process but, but it's at not... least
2: you'll be able to retire after obviously what is a massive massive job you'll massive be jo- paid fortunes for it ian
1: you would think so or ian you would think so or <laughs> ian you would think so um but no it's not sadly uh but it no. is but it, no but no it is if you're a bovine um right anyway so that's that's what i've been doing and it's so that's why I'm a little bit fatigued. So I've had a, I've had two flat whites before this um, podcast, and I've had a lot of cola bottles. I was given some cola bottles recently, um, not just by a stranger on the street because again I would report that. It was uh, somebody gave it to me for my my recent insignificant birthday. They gave me cola bottles, uh, which actually I think is quite a nice gift
2: with
0: with cola in them.
1: Oh, hang on a second, let me get the sound
0: effect. Were they the blue and yellow ones? Shush, I've got to to tighten this up now. (laughs) Hang on a second. Always turn down sweets. Hang on a second.
1: Uh, Uh, Where is it? Oh, there we are. No, cola bottles, the sweets, not the... F- yes, obviously, good. Oh, good, I must say...
2: Oh, it was a genuine question, wasn't it?
1: Oh, was it? It wasn't one of your yeah. one of your gags. Right, yeah. one of your many gags. Right, anyway, so there we are. We're all up to date with what everybody is doing. So, um, yeah, a couple of interesting... Well, lots of interesting tournaments over the weekend to reflect upon. We should start because you were there and you were with the final group, Ian, at Walton Heath, wandering round. How did you... I mean, Lily Vu. Winning it by six shots, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so a little bit like the Open Championship, Brian Harmon just dominating things. So she's won the first and the last of the majors this season. She's now the world number one. I wouldn't say she's yet a household name, but um, but obviously she had some terrible results in between her, her two major wins. She disappeared and came back. and. Um,
2: yeah, she'd, she'd gone off the planet and then she, she came back and she said all she wanted to do was was be in contention. That was her objective for the week. And of course, she played herself into the final group at nine under par, sharing the lead with Charlie Hull, going into the, the final round. It was a bit like Brian Harmon, but it wasn't. We thought, all thought Ali Ewing was going to do a. A Brian Harmon ten under par, leading by five at at halfway. Lo and behold, she's also a hunter. So it was written in in the stars. Is she? Um, yeah, but, uh, venison apparently. But she she went backwards, and then we got into this this final round, and and it was a packed leaderboard. And I think we were all anticipating a real kind of battle between several of the big names. I thought you could go back down to like four under to find contenders on that last day. Um, The likes of Nelly Corder, but Nelly Corder's putting, oh my goodness me, just awful, awful. And Charlie Hull's uh, putter was, was stone cold. And Lilia Vu just played, Honestly, one of the best rounds of golf I've ever seen. That's 67 in the final group to win going away and win by six shots. And Charlie Hull had opportunities to apply a little bit of pressure to make it a little bit uncomfortable going down the stretch. And she just couldn't hold the putts to do that. The only thing that really worked for her was, was holding a bunker shot from up against the face on the par 5 11th for Eagle. You know, I think what, what the women's game has been crying out for is a dominant figure. Um, I think it was like 22, in the last 22 majors, there've been 21 different winners. And now Minji Lee's the only other repeat winner. Now we've got Lilia Vu as well. And, you know, she now becomes a potentially dominant force. But it's difficult to say that when she kind of wins and then goes away and then she comes back and, and wins. But I think going into next year, we'll all be talking about her.
1: Will we? You say that with some confidence. So, what what is the Lily Vu story? Because you, I mean, you know a bit more about her than than perhaps, uh, well, certainly than, than I do, than than Eddie does. Well, well, her family background
2: is is extraordinary because her grandfather um, was a, a actually built a boat to escape the Vietnam War, um, and so she, uh, you know, comes from from pretty resolute genes there, and they they settled in in California, um, and then at UCLA she was a standout. Uh, amateur golfer, 31 weeks as the world number one, uh, turned professional. Everyone expected her to to take the professional game by storm in the way that Rose Zhang is right now. Um, but it didn't happen. She really struggled on the Sumetra tour. And when COVID came and lockdown happened, she was on the point of of giving up. And it was actually her mother who turned around and said, no, hang on a minute, you've got the talent for this, you know, hang in there and sort of harness the spirit of your grandfather And and lo and behold, she did and uh, came through, got a win in Thailand at the start of this year. Then in April, won in Houston the Chevron Championship, which is a bit like the Evian. How much of a major is it? But then when you win one of the genuine majors, if you like, uh, either the the KPMG or the, the US Open or the Women's Open, and it was the Women's Open, I think that validates everything. And and as I say
1: now, she is she is a a massive force in the women's game. Well, there we are. Um, and Walton, what do you make of the whole experience as well? Because you know, you, you, I think it's a, sort of invidious comparisons with the the Open Championship. It's always going to be on a different scale, but um, it seemed to have a, a, certainly a different vibe to it as well. I saw, um, I I was made aware of Brian Harmon having a chat on the Colt Nost podcast, mm-hmm. uh, and he was saying just how bad his experience actually was. Or the crowd experience was at, at Hoylake because this is something we talked about at the time, and uh, the, some of the abuse he was getting, and he actually had, I think, somebody was chucked out. But but there were there was so much going on. But you know that's never going to happen at the women's open at Walton Heath. It's just as it's a very different type of crowd, a feel to the event. Yeah, but it was very partisan. I
2: mean, it was uh, you know when Charlie Hull held that bunker shot, that was as good a roar as as you'd hear at the Open, and they were right behind. Charlie Hull, but she just didn't give them enough to to cheer about. Um but there weren't any of those kind of rogue, idiotic uh contributions from people around the tees, people shouting out, putting putting the leader off, or any of that kind of nonsense, um, which which was great to see. There was a there was a quick um just stop oil protest that was snuffed out very, very quickly. Um, but the atmosphere was, was great. Is that Mabel saying I'm boring now?
1: That's Mabel Hitch. She's actually just walked off. She has... No, she can't, she, she can't hear just said She just got banned and said, just stop Ian. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you don't get a cricket sound for that. Yeah, uh, yeah why not? <laughs> no, because that was good. Um, anyway, yes, yeah, so there we are. Did you use the, the line, nice lie, if you're a bovine at any time at all in your commentary? Because you can have that for the future.
2: Yeah, I'll I'll keep it up my sleeve, but I I don't think even cows eat, um, eat heather. Uh, heather.
1: No, they do not. Um, it's bad for them, and they've got four stomachs, and none of the stomachs can can stomach it. So, uh, I think it's four. Anyway, right, the Women's Open was uh, was entertaining. Lilia Vu, second major of the year, winning by six from Charlie Hull. Um, you like a bit of a flutter, Ian? This is uh, not allegations in my book.
2: <laughs> did you have a? No, are you... no, I, I listen. I, I bet very, very rarely. Um, I did look at the odds before this one, and I saw that Charlie Hull was forty to one, mm. and I thought to myself, if I put a five reach way on Charlie Hull and she wins, then I could afford a pro sender. <laughs> so that was my plan. Is that what you were really going to spend it on? Honestly, yeah. I, mm. I did it last year. I did it last year at the Open uh, on Cam Smith. And I, because I was so impressed by Matt Fitzpatrick, you know his speed thing that he he uses to get get yeah. the speed. So <laughs> uh, with with the proceeds of Cam Smith winning the Open, I bought the uh, one of these sort of uh, weighted stick things that you can swing to improve your your club head speed.
0: Okay, that's the stack. That's quite expensive, isn't it?
2: No, no, it wasn't the stack. It was the cheap <laughs> version of that because I didn't put that much on on um, on Cam Smith, and. Um, yeah, I used it for about a month and then I've fallen out of love with playing golf. So, but I am now back in love with it. Um, oh, yeah. I I've, I've got some. Well, I, well, I say that uh, our good friend Andrew Murray has sent me some clubs to try. And I like, I asked Eddie a, a couple of episodes ago whether he gets excited when new equipment arrives and he's so long in the tooth now and jaded that he doesn't, but I do. And so I'm going off to New Maldon World Golf uh, as soon oh. as we finish this pod.
1: What happens if the teenagers arrive, though?
2: What, what happens if they arrive and they're in a bay next year? I'll, I'll say, do you remember a strange Scottish fellow who spoke in a broad Glaswegian
1: accent and <laughs> thought he could hit the ball a long way? Have a look at this. And well, they'll say, oh, my goodness, he was incredible, actually. Uh, they will say uh, in, their, in their
0: Cockney accents whatever it was. Cool, strike a lot, Gaffney. He was amazing. Ooh. Cool. A reflection of where I'm at. my god I only get excited when the new training aid arrives, not when a new golf. <laughs> arrives. So uh, I'm still living in hope, just a different kind. Well, let's move on to
1: not training aids, golf technology, because it's part of the FedEx St. Jude, the incredibly perspiratory uh, word I've just made up. Uh, Good word. FedEx St. Jude in, in Memphis. You go to Memphis in August. What, what are you going to get? You're going to get thunderstorms. You're going to get incredibly sweaty golfers. And for, I mean, it was a great achievement by Lucas Glover, who has been in the wilderness. He's been at the Wilderness Festival for years, uh, playing naked cricket. And he comes back and he, he's now won back to back. Uh, his Lucas Glover's pants, that phrase was trending uh, on Twitter. Not because because American pants trousers, as we'd call them in this neck of the woods, was trending because he um he did look a little bit a little bit uh damp towards the end of the round um I think he's wearing sort of heavy cargo pants trousers uh cargo trousers, and he didn't he didn't look great, but everything about his game looks great he's always been a great ball striker i mean a fantastic ball striker in terms of driving accuracy distance approach. But his putting, now I sent you the, I don't know if you saw it, but I I made Mm. sure you did because I sent you the clip of his 2016 when he was deep in in Yip
0: territory. Now, Eddie, what did you make of the stroke (laughs) that clip compared to now? I did watch it. I showed it Jen and she couldn't believe it. Although he missed a putt, I think, to qualify for the US Open this year. Mm. from about a foot i mean it was a, just as bad a putt and stroke so he's been struggling up until very very recently which makes this story even more remarkable really uh, and i know you'll get on to the new putter which has obviously changed his fortunes a couple of things on his sweaty ass if i may um <laughs> please I, I, please I, no, I noticed it on the friday actually i was going to tweet in and didn't um so you know he had having these problems earlier on the week i remember playing in malaysia back in 2016 and that was really, really hot. And I had a similar problem and I was wearing the same color trousers mm-hmm. and it was from that day onwards that I changed my trousers from, they were at the time, a different brand to, to Lululemon ones. But I just thought you do not wear those color trousers when it's that hot. That was such Ooh. a mistake of his. You just wear dark trousers and no one's really any the wiser, but um great ball striker the thing i was also struck by watching it was how short he was hitting it relative to the other guys you know his ball speed was in the mid 160s he was only carrying it to 65 270 through the air with a driver so he's not a long hitter but um like you say brilliant brilliant ball striker and iron player generally and good to see him with his putting
2: that missed putt that you talked about at the u.s open he referenced that um after his after his win and his uh, caddy, Tom Lamb, uh, apparently said to him as they walked to the car after he'd missed the putt, and um, he, he, he just said to him, look, I'm not worried about that missed putt. You look so much more comfortable. Now you've got the longer putter over that. You look much more confident. You know, Better times are coming. And that week they went on to the Canadian Open. He finished in a share of 20th. He, he missed the cut the following week and then embarked on this this tear, which has culminated in in two victories. Um, It's an extraordinary turnaround. I'm not sure. I mean, there's some stuff on Twitter. um, I know Anthony wall um, kind of tweeted uh, just about how, how legal, if you like the, the putting action is with the long putter, because he, he puts that left thumb on the top of the longer putter and it, and then he he's over it. And then he lowers his body down to the top of the putter. And you know how close he gets to it, and to a point of anchoring, is um, is is an interesting one.
1: The whole point, Eddie, about longer putters is that you're creating this pendulum effect, isn't it? Really, that you're sort of that the, the putter is is doing much more of the work for you and not deviating. Whereas if you have the shorter shorter putter, conventional putter, that you are in danger of that. If you're a right-handed golfer, that left wrist getting a bit twitchy, and then you... I, I mean, I feel for anybody who's had the yips, but that is unfortunately part of the game some people have a sort of yippy thing with with their driver with certain shots or or short game yips you know you just get nervy on it and this technology is clearly working for him it's transformed his game it's extraordinarily expensive they're going to be selling loads of these putters now but i don't know what you feel about it when you see it
0: i think i would have more concern around the arm locking to me, a couple of the guys who arm lock, I know speaking to players who have, one of them on tour even uses that, um, they said himself that he thinks it should be banned, but, or potentially banned, um, I would be more worried about that, but I've never experienced a longer putter, so I I honestly can't really comment on it.
1: Well, David Rowland emailed about these LAB putters. We're giving them some publicity, but well, it's just it's just to discuss. Lie angle balance, lab putters, LAB putters, Labrador putters. So on the website, they see they say um, they you can see that they say uh, we want to be clear about something. We're not demeaning the quality and craftsmanship that goes into today's putters. We count ourselves among the collectors of gorgeous Pings, Camerons, Bettinardis, and other great works of putter art. We're just saying that we're not using those putters on the course. We don't think anybody should. Not anymore. Um, So there we are. It's this. uh, They talk about the face and how the face will return to the same position almost of its own accord. They don't say that, but it's that's the the, the gist of it and the weighting of it and the quality of the technology behind it. I mean, as I said, they are going to sell thousands because they have had a man who's had the yips utterly transformed. He will be, I think now, we talk about a lot of things in the context of the Ryder Cup. He's thrown himself into Ryder Cup consideration. So, uh, in fact, I think if he carries on like this, he has to be. You have to take someone who's really in form and he's in form at the right time is fourth on the FedEx Cup list now,
2: um heading into this week's BMW championship. They're down to the, the last fifty. They've changed their system so that they do incorporate the the most informed players. And like Lucas Clover said after his after his win, when did when did it creep into your mind that you could be in the Ryder Cup? And he said about 15 minutes ago, i.e. when he won. Um I don't know. I think it's a big I think it's a big question mark to pick a 43 year old for that golf course. Um that'd be the only thing I'd say but you it's 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 very hard form to
1: ignore, isn't it? 43 what what's I mean 43 is not in in golfing terms is not. Old. Why would that be a disadvantage being 43 to play golf and Marco Simone? Well it's a very undulating golf course for a
2: starter. If
1: 43 is not 110. 43 is old. Uh, but
2: it is. It's old. by by, by golf standards. It's these not these days.
1: What are you saying? Because you're playing two rounds a day, forty-three. Yeah. Two two rounds a day. I don't know. I I th- it's
0: I think... going to be hot as well. Imagine the state <laughs> of his trousers after thirty-six <laughs> holes around there in the heat.
2: <laughs> what do you think,
0: Eddie? I I do agree with you to some degree. It's a very challenging walk, and that is a factor that the captains unusually going to have to take into consideration in this Ryder Cup. It's it's an unbelievably difficult walk, especially if it's hot. And we've been there the last two Septembers and it's been upwards of 30 degrees and very difficult. So a bit of that, but he's got a great game for that course. He's such an accurate ball striker. And around that course with how tight the fellow is going to be, I think in foursomes, I mean, at the end of the day, in any game, any format of the game at the moment in his form, he's going to be tough to beat. You would historically say great uh, poor putters, and he's not a great putter now, you know, in these last two weeks, it's not like he's won because he's putted great. He's won because he's not putted like an idiot, and that's his key to success. Now, that doesn't guarantee you success in match play, where putting is seemingly more important. But I, I would, I'd would certainly put him ahead of guys like Justin Thomas. So, um, I hmm. but I would say he needs one more good, very, very good week in the next two.
1: Okay, good, good. He may well do that. He's gone back to back, um, beating Cantley in a playoff, Patrick Cantley. Oh my goodness, Patrick Lucas Glover and Patrick Cantley. So I, I sometimes when I watch golf, I think, what is the entertainment value of golf, of great sport? Of it, So I suppose it must just be in watching excellence because you're not watching it for, who was it that said the Arsenal manager in the 70s? Is it Bertie Mee, it was Bertie Mee manager. In the, he yeah, said, he you knows. know, and they used to win 1-0, 1-0 all the time. This wasn't George, uh, George Grahams. George, Arsenal, Gr- no, was no, it wasn't George Grahams. It was before right. that. I think it was early 70s. It was in Nick Hornby's book. Bernard Gallagher. And the manager said, uh, <laughs> "It wasn't Bernard Gallagher." The manager said, <laughs> uh, "If you want entertainment, go and watch clowns." Now, one thing wrong with that is that clowns aren't entertaining at all; they're just disturbing, uh, especially for children's parties. But uh, I do—I I love this sort of the, the, this sort of philosophical debate that that brings up about what do you want in terms of entertainment from sport? Do they have to be? you know, Lee Trevino's or Seve's or somebody who is just hitting it all over the place or being entertaining in in terms of what they say or being outspoken? Or do you want people like Lucas Glover and Patrick Cantley who offer zero in terms of the personality? I don't mean that in terms of a criticism of, but I mean, in terms of personality and entertaining, they offer nothing. But what do you watch golf for then? Is it just for the absolute excellence of the sport being produced? I watched Charlie Hull yesterday and she was fantastic to watch for
2: the way she went about it. She went hunting pins. She played aggressively. Uh, she took it. She took things on and things didn't quite work out. I can't say that she really interacted with the crowd very much, um, but nonetheless, she was just compelling viewing, albeit in a, in a six shot um, defeat. But I know what you mean, Andrew. It's a, it's a difficult one. I, I, I kind of raged internally when um, I was watching the, the golf last night, and Cantley, you know, is being applauded and just doesn't acknowledge it in the slightest.
1: And I just think,
2: I just think it's ignorant,
1: really. That's kind of what, the point I'm trying to get at is that you know, Lucas Glover won what three point six million dollars last night. The amount of money in golf, in certain areas of golf now, is just astronomical. So what are they getting? What's the return? What are they getting that for? If you earn that kind of money as a film star, you're getting it because of the performances you put in, or, or as a singer. So what what do you offer as a golfer? Not you, Eddie. You offer a lot, but I it's I think it's just a an interesting debate. And is that do they have to give something more than what they're offering in terms of their ball striking or their putting?
0: I agree. The golfers are overpaid, really, relative to the value we we um, actually add. That's I think clear and obvious, and I think that was clear and obvious even pre-lived, but. I think there's an element of golf sometimes where the narrative of the event naturally unfolds itself in front of us all in a dramatic way whereby it's kind of irrelevant who's in that moment the storyline is played out so that it's entertaining and that it's dramatic enough to keep us hooked now I didn't feel that last night uh, with that particular event in fact I turned off and so that suggests to me that I'm not I haven't been sold the story I haven't been sold the narrative that the FedEx Cup is there to ultimately sell us and That's a problem for the PGA Tour at the end of the day. And I think if we can't, if, if you cannot over, if we cannot uh, get over that by acknowledging great performance, then at the end of the day, you do have a product that won't be able to sell itself moving forward. And maybe that's where we're heading. I think golf isn't unique in that, though. I think a lot of sports are struggling um, with that dynamic. And that's just maybe a cyclical thing. And I actually do think it's a cyclical thing. Remember, we're quite long in the tooth now of this whole television. We've talked about this before, but this this boom that's lasted over 20 years now. So who knows where this all goes? I don't know. But I will say the most entertaining moment I've had watching golf in the last few years was watching Bryson at Bay Hill bomb his driver over the lake. And it's because it's so absurdly different. And different. Uh, yeah. Exactly. And that's the thing that does draw people in. So, you know, you need a bit of everything.
2: I think, obviously, the arrival of Liv and the Saudi money that is is, is coming in there and it's affecting other sports as well. I think there's an awful lot of concern, not just f- with with senior figures in the game. There is concern of what the future looks like. That there could be a really significant disconnect going on right now. That is going to be very hard to to repair. I get that. I get that impression from you know when you talk to people, uh, you know at the top of the game. Um, that that is one of the big concerns about it. Never mind the existential threat that was spoken of by the pga tour and the dp world tour when live first arrived and now they're trying to thrash out this deal which is is just flooding money into players back pockets but is it sustainable and uh you know ultimately are they worth it uh I, they're worth a lot they don't get me wrong it's you know i find golf Fascinating and compelling to watch, and it you know, the way that it relates to to amateurs who play, and all of that kind of dynamic. But the amount of money, what was it, 3.6 million for Lucas Clover? Yeah, I, guess, I think yesterday. so. Yeah,
1: yeah. Three, it'd be about 3 million, definitely. I mean, yeah, no, I think it was 3.6, yeah, and some yeah. cola bottles. But, um, yeah, no, I, I think Eddie nailed it on the head there that it's even if the personalities themselves are quite dull, which sometimes is a good personality for playing golf. The thing which is compelling and which does make people watch are, are storylines. So, how do you create mm. those storylines and add interest? That was something which Richard was. Oh, Richard, God, he was good. Uh, that was something he was so interesting on.
2: But I think that is down as well very much to the broadcasters. I mean, I don't know what what Sky were talking about um, on the the world world feed guys were talking about on the tv yesterday at walton heath because i was obviously on on the golf course but there you had compelling storylines coming at you from every direction and it's important to get those stories out and it's important that the broadcasters and the commentators broadcast and don't narrowcast and don't just commentate to the locker room but actually go out there and tell stories that say to people hey watch this this is interesting
1: I have something to talk about on on broadcasting, but we'll just do a quick bit of this first. Montgomery, and you're listening to the Chipping Forecast with my good friend Eric Pepperell. So, I wanted to talk about uh, something that was brought to my attention by um, the Shotgun Start, which is a great American golf podcast. I know you were talking about no laying up. Actually, what was um just quickly before I do this, then what were what were the no laying up guys like the behemoths of golf podcasting? Uh,
2: uh, Big Randy and Randy,
1: and Big Randy and Cody. They were they
2: were there and they were part of the the team that we worked with. Um, yeah, you know, commentating at, at Walton Heath. They were two really fantastic lads, really, really nice guys. I know Eddie, you've been on on with them um in the past. I did note that. because um, it has been in the chipping forecast era, but there you go. Um uh but they yeah, they were they were really, really nice. And it turned out that they'd been put in an Airbnb, which wasn't too far from where I live. So I said, Hey guys, come you know, come come around for dinner on Saturday night so um so, like, oh, they we're busy, so we, actually, we, so we so had I just
1: got uh, something to no, do no no
2: they, they were all over it so we i mean it was you know we were all working till till late so we got a chinese takeaway there We're about seven of us and so we, we're sitting there now saturdays in the carter household are um mad oh i mad no um are, are influenced by the fact that our son um who is 22 years of age plays cricket loses every week uh, and still comes home Half cut, usually at about two o'clock in the morning. Kids um Kids today. I know. So anyway, uh, the cricket team won this week. Go the Hogs, get up. Get up. And um, so he emerges at half past 11, uh, comes teetering through the door, not expecting anyone to be there. And Big Randy and Cody are there from no laying up. And he's completely bemused and then promptly decides to tell us in a very slurry sort of way uh, exactly how the Hogs had won their cricket match. And and then Big Randy needed to know how cricket worked. Yeah, And then so poor old Ollie, my son, uh, ended up trying to explain cricket to two Americans uh, while half cut. And the, <laughs> right at the end of it, Randy just said, yeah, not a clue.
1: It was a good night, though. It was a great night. So your your child, your son... One man comes into see a stranger who introduces himself. Says, "Hi, I'm Big Randy." <laughs> so, Big Randy's real name is Phil, by the
2: way. What? And he prefers. So he's to not even. Up. No, he's not even.
1: His name's not Randy.
2: No, he told us a great story about why he's called Randy, but that's probably copyright no letting up. Okay. Oh, well,
0: well, next I'm year I'll right. take Big Randy to the wilderness and show him how cricket works, and then he'll really like the game. <laughs> <Yeah. end.
2: laughs>
0: and then he can definitely tell me the story why he's called Randy and not Phil. I'm sure. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Um, yes, yeah, so I was going to talk about the so the
1: other, not the other one. There are plenty of U.S. Uh, golf podcasts, but the one I listen to most of all is one called Shotgun Start. Uh, it's very, very good. And they were talking about how on the U.S. Women's Amateur on the coverage in the States, uh, Megan uh, Schofield won it at Bel Air, Bel Air Country Club. Oh. But anyway, the coverage lost commentary, but it still had the ambient sound. It had event sound. And a lot of people in the States were talking about how they actually quite enjoyed it. I thought there's a lesson for, not just for American sports coverage, golf coverage, but for our coverage, because the American style is coming across the Atlantic more and more and more, where the talk is constant. And nobody watching golf, nobody watching sport ever complains that there's not enough commentary, but they do complain about there being too much, so... Um, So these um, guys, uh, Brendan Porath and Andy Johnson, the Shotgun Star, they were talking about how, well, we've learned a lesson, less is more. I'm thinking, yes, but that's, you know, what we would preach forever and a day about that is that, you know, silence is part of commentary and you don't get it on American TV where it's kind of a talking competition between commentators. And I think that's coming more and more into our coverage where everybody's just a little bit scared to just stop talking for a moment and let the you know, let the sound of the players and the caddies, you can hear them talking to each other, or just the birdsong, or just the sound of the crowd. That's all part of the event. And I wish there was more of that. I do think, and I'm talking against my own profession here, that there perhaps should be an option for viewers where they can just listen to ambient sound, event sound. Because you can see the tracer, the graphic, you can see who it is. You don't need that much additional information. And I think, um, yeah, that's... Maybe that is the way forward. Not just AI commentary, but no commentary at all. Good night, everyone. You've just talked us
2: out of jobs, Andrew, but I, I, I actually, I think you're right. And the other thing that really bugs me is the, the over-reliance on statistics, just total stats fests. So, you know, a good stat is a good stat because it's really interesting.
1: The rest of them are rubbish. Don't bother with them. Yeah, but I'm not talking you out of profession either because, you know, you're primarily almost radio. all radio. Yeah. And radio, oh, yeah. obviously, yeah, it is it is total description and, and dead air is dead air. But dead air on television is not dead air. It's just letting the pictures breathe because all you're doing in TV commentary is you're trying to ride along on top of the pictures. But if you, if you have too much, it suffocates the pictures and suffocates the event and it becomes white noise to
0: viewers they just uh they tune out a little bit so less is more i noticed that watching the ashes this year there was a couple of occasions where they, they the commentators didn't say anything for nearly a minute and it mm. was just fine the buzz of the stadium as you say was absolutely fine and uh, i completely agree with you uh you watch you know i generally watch the golf and yeah, i mean some commentators are even calling the shot mid-air and then they get it wrong and it's just like well what's the point um so, yeah, yeah there's a lot of
1: talking over str- uh, hits of the show. I, I and I understand it because when there are so many commentators, and and there's a feeling now that when one commentator stops talking, it's the chance for someone else to have their say, and then someone else will come into the next gap. And then, but there has to be a sort of um, a discipline and those pauses and just letting just having a pause. But maybe that's maybe that's just old fashioned, and maybe it's gone no, it's, forever. No, but it's not old fashioned,
2: Andrew. I think you're right to speak up for it because it's golf. It's it, you know, it's like. Uh, sorry to bring it all back to live once again, but I remember vividly watching on their app uh, ahead of their first tournament of the year in in Mexico and they hyped it up and hyped it up and hyped it up. And then the shotgun goes, you know, that guitar riff going, and then they count down and now the shotgun start, they're all teeing off at the same time. And what are they doing? They're playing golf. And so everything that went before it is completely incongruous with what it actually is. And there is nothing wrong with what it actually is. What's wrong is trying to hype it up into something that it's not.
0: My, My feeling, if I say one more thing, though, Andrew, and this is where it takes a very special person like Peter Alice to be able to not break the dead air, but to go off on tangents that are in somehow, some way related to what we're seeing and yet completely different. They could be funny. They could be insightful, but that takes a very special brain. And I'm mm-hmm. pointing at you here, Andrew. This is why you need to put yourself forward and start working for Sky. Step um, but it does take a brain. It takes a real intelligence yeah. to be able to do that. And that doesn't exist very frequently. And that's and a real skill.
2: And I'm going to step in here and say that Andrew is the closest thing to Peter Alice out there. Right? No, you just shut up he is you know he he has that wryness and you know and and the ability to to take you down a different tangent that is entertaining and adds to the pictures. And that's all a commentator has to do on the TV. And I, I know for a fact, I I came in during COVID and did some highlights commentary, which is a bit different anyway. And I found it really, really difficult because on the radio, I just talk about what I can see and describe what I can see and let the proper experts actually uh, add to that in terms of the insight as to the shots that are being hit Where, whereas on the tv you've got to find something extra to say to complement the pictures otherwise say nothing because there's no point and it's a real skill it really is there you go andrew now play your crickets now play your crickets now
1: let's have some uh bird song now thank you <laughs>
0: Let's have some Ronan Keating. You say it best. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I played with him at the Dunhill a couple of years ago. Actually. Did you? Very nice fella. In fact, I played with him and uh, Tom, God, oh, I was going to bug me. The lead singer from Keane. Tom, Tom Chaplin. God. Oh, what a wonderful guy. He God. loves a, his oh, golf. Yeah. He's a brilliant golfer and a lovely Good fella as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, excellent. Tangents, you see? Look, tangents.
1: Tangential yeah. digressions. Uh, okay, here's another one. On we go to a preview of this week. So the BMW Championship. So on the on the FedEx they move on and they whittle it down to it's fifty now, isn't it? Seventy to fifty to thirty. So it's fifty. So the BMW Championship is what it used to be the Western Open back in the day. The Western Open mm-hmm. used to be I mean, in the days before majors, days of yore, um, it was second, third only to the Open and the U.S. Open. It was the big one, the Western Open. Walter Hagen won five of them, I think, and he won eleven majors. He, the Masters came after his peak, so you know if you count the Western Open, sixteen majors for the Hague. Anyway, so uh, but now it's the BMW Championship, very very different, but still in Chicago, Olympia Fields. Ian, now you were there yeah. tw- twenty years, twenty years ago. Twenty years
2: ago, two thousand and three, Jim Furyk winning the, the U.S. Open It's the only time I think it had been played there, and it's it's not been back. it, it wasn't a, a particularly um, popular venue and I remember I got very excited I came out of the ballot to play it the next day and I hadn't got any clubs and so I, I, I had to scoot around I had to phone round all the pro shops in Chicago to finally get a rental set and it, it was a really long and convoluted journey I ended up playing John Murray was with us our football correspondent and he caddied for me and we've, we we played nine holes. It was set up for a U.S. Open. I got it was so slow. It took three hours, and uh, I walked off after nine holes. It was horrific. It was one of the least inspiring golf courses I've ever played. But um, yeah, good luck to them this week. Excellent. Looking forward to it
1: now. I did. It, I remember. I do remember that. I mean, it was an uninspiring U.S. Open because mm. he dominated at Furyk. I think Stephen Leaney was second, about ninety-four shots behind. That's but right. It was. Yeah. It was a sort of big, flattish course. It wasn't. I, don't, I just wasn't. It it's kind just of wasn't. really
2: up and down. That's what I remember. Yeah,
1: one hole up, the next hole coming back. Yeah, just yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: uh. Eddie, thoughts? Well, you reminded me, and you know, I I walked off at Bethpage Black in a practice round after five holes because it was so slow, and I proceeded to miss the cut by about twenty. So um, the lesson there is <laughs> I should uh, should have stuck it out and played an extra fourteen holes. I haven't seen the course, but um, yeah. yeah, I I have no Did more. Did you thoughts. really? Was
2: that your only practice round? Yeah, I played five hours ahead obviously. of the U.S. Open. Yeah, it was
0: it was a PGA actually. In fact, PGA. I I I mean, I was on a run where I remember at Carnoustie, and I nearly won. I didn't play a practice round, and then went to Augusta, and I think I I may have played nine and nine while everyone was playing eighteen a day, and I just thought sod this. So, um, <laughs> I absolutely cannot stand practice rounds at the best of times, particularly at majors when everyone's taken six hours and you know wanting photos and this and that. So, uh, yeah. Mm. I have no more to say
1: about the BMW Championship coming up, except for the fact that they are, as mentioned, down to 50.
0: Guys like Hideki Matsuyama
1: sneaked in. I do quite like the fact that there is a little bit of interest in in trying to make it on the number. It's like the, what's the event? What's the cycling event where, uh, is it the Kirin, where uh, the last person gets dropped off? No, that's points. What is it? It's not the Madison. Oh, I can't remember what it is. Anyway, it's like a, there's a little shark chasing the cyclist. I've added this bit. Uh, and the last cyclist gets eaten by a shark. Uh, so you know you've really got to step up your game. So Hideki Matsuyama was almost eaten by a shark, almost eaten by Greg Norman. That's jeopardy. That's what they should have <laughs> jeopardy, an angry Australian chasing you, um, and you've got to get into forty ninth position, fiftieth position. Anyway, BMW Championship this week, US amateurs this week as well at Cherry Hills Country Club, um, where Arnold Palmer won his I think it's Colorado Cherry Hills. Arnold Palmer yes. won his only US Open there in nineteen sixty, coming from. Eight shots behind, seven shots behind.
0: Well, I asked you this question. I want to say in the, the uh, in fact, I asked both these questions in my one and only quiz that Richard Osmond definitely wouldn't have yeah, approved of. Do you remember that I asked the knowledge has stayed <laughs> and the Arnold Palmer, and you got that one wrong, Andrew. So uh... I do know that he closed with a
1: 65 to beat a 20-year-old amateur Jack Nicholas by two shots. Mm-hmm. Um, so there we go. Uh, U.S. amateur news: Michael Torbjornson has pulled out. Now, we were examining his swing. So he's a huge talent, 21 years old. Stress fracture on his back, though. And you, I think the wider point about this is, so he's out of the Walker Cup now. He was already in the Walker Cup side for the USA. He's had to pull out of the US Amateur, pull out of the Walker Cup coming up at St. Andrews because of the stress fracture on his back. And as golf changes and becomes chasing speed, and his 185 mile an hour ball speeds, you know, he smashes it incredible sort of torsion on his body at impact. And it's it's a, slight, it's a it's got to be a concern that careers, you know, you think about Will Zalatoris as well, that maybe I, when you're younger as well, you're not ready for, for that. But it, I don't know, the chase for power goes on.
0: I think this is something that's definitely going to be a big talking point as we move forward, the impact on faster swing speeds, bodies, the longevity of careers. You know, and I know myself, having had two disc injuries and the second time around, it was quite a significant disc injury. And I know he's not had a disc injury here, but I think Will Zalatoris did. Um, The relationship that has on your mind and your body connection, it takes ages to recover from that. And it can have some real hangover effects in terms of getting back to full health and you know your mind letting your body do what it wants to do so these are going to be some you you don't want to have these types of injuries at a young age they could be really quite detrimental so i think these kids coming through who are just all about speed they need to realize that it's still a game of skill primarily as lucas glover is showing us again and um you know focus on your irons kids and he's
1: 43 he's ancient ian what do you what do you think about it all
2: well, it, it, it's exactly as Eddie's just said. It's it's chasing chasing speed and uh, at the detriment of of pretty much everything else. And clearly, in this case, you know the body. Uh, players have had back injuries throughout the history of the game. I mean, Sebby Biasteros being a, a, a prime example. And but we went through an era where all of the the gym work that went on was in a sense to build up the body for in, injury prevention now it seems to be it goes further than that and it's to generate the the levels of power that are needed to max out um and it's it all comes down to you know what has just been our buzz conversation all the way through hasn't it where where speed is absolutely everything distance is absolutely everything and and golf's got to be about so much more than that and it's just a real shame to see you know a guy is obviously incredibly talented missing out on the Walker Cup, which should have been, you know,
1: the highlight of his golfing life at this stage. Yeah. Um. I, I, well, yes, I hit uh, 250 balls the other day. I don't know why. I was just, well, it was one of those ones that I said, I'll, I'll end on a, I'll try and end on a good one. And then I hit a good <laughs> one and I say, oh, I've got to do that again. And I, so I just kept on going. And anyway, by my lower back, all the issues that I had, my lower back since I have started playing golf again, have come back. So I want to sell golf as a, a healthy pursuit. But Ian when you're just you be careful at new mold in the world
0: of golf um chasing distance yeah i haven't got any speed so i'll be f- absolutely fine i'll just say one quick thing the responsibility here is also going to be on the coaches to make sure the players understand the reality of being a professional golfer and not what's out there is the narrative because, you know, the narrative is you need speed, but the truth is you still need skill. Speed is, don't get me wrong, it helps, but you still need skill. And so there's a responsibility on the coaches here to make sure their players aren't going crazy in the gym or chasing these stupid moves and still prioritizing the skillful elements of the golf game.
1: Hi, I'm Spank Striker. Don't listen to Eddie. I work with crank golf drivers. And (laughs) And, uh, yeah, um, just chase speed, kids. Don't know what happened there. Uh, Right, anyway, uh, let's do a little bit of this. I'll tell you what, there aren't many golfers called Alan. There we are. We don't often do it anymore. We do sometimes, but we don't give the full Alan Hansen sting treatment. But there aren't many golfers called Alan. We had an email from Stephen Todd and a tweet. Not Stephen. Not that Stephen. Stephen Dodd, that is. Uh, We had an email from Stephen Dodd. We had an email from Stephen Todd. And a tweet from Anne Irwin about Norman Drew, Northern Irish golfer of some achievement as well. We we were talking about Normans the other uh, week and we didn't mention Norman Wood. And then we brought you up to date with Norman Wood, who played in the Ryder Cup in 75. Well, Norman Drew, he played in 1959 in the Ryder Cup. He played in the Walker Cup before, Northern Irish golfer, and very, very fondly remembered over there. And actually, I just found out he died yesterday. Um, So we would certainly like to uh, make mention of Norman Drew and remember him. He halved with Doug Ford in the 1959 Ryder Cup, which was played in the United States. I think that was his only Ryder Cup. So there we are, uh, Norman. But I also had an email from an email, email uh, the Chipping Forecast at FoldingPocket.co.uk. An email from a Nigel Williams. Uh, he thanks us for the podcast. You're welcome, and for remembering Norman Wood. And then says he bets there aren't many golfers called Nigel. Now, you know what? He's he's right. So I can think of one well-known Nigel golfer. That wasn't his name. It wasn't Nigel golfer. He wasn't a pro either, was he? He wasn't a pro either. So, uh, Ian, who are we thinking of? Nigel Nigel Edwards. Edwards. Yeah, we're in unison. I like that. The choir came in. Nigel Edwards, four four times he played in the Ryder Cup, three, twice a captain. Walker Walker Cup. No, did I say writer Cup? Oh, yeah. It's like Walker quiet. Cup. Ian, <laughs> me and you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, no, no. Do so you fancy doing running kicking with me? He became, <laughs> no. <laughs> he became coach for the English Golf Union, Nigel Edwards, and he's still heavily involved in golf. He had quite a, a his own swing, amazingly quick rhythm, and he held the club quite upright at address, dress and had, his, had a, what did he do you He's got a, he he's a he sort of funny right hand on the, and the grip. Anyway, it's a, just a lesson that it didn't have to be picture perfect. He was a great player, really was. I think he sunk sunk the winning putt at Ganton. He did in the Walker Cup in two thousand and three. So Nigel Edwards, but I couldn't rem- I couldn't think of any other Nigels. But then I can't. Nigel, I looked into the name Nigel then. Um, and and Nigel is a name. In the sixties it hit its peak in terms of popularity. One of the reasons that you won't find many Nigel's in golf is because it didn't catch on in America at all, the name Nigel. But in the UK, in nineteen sixty-three, five thousand five hundred and twenty nine boys were named Nigel. Babies were named Nigel that year. I mean primarily boys, I hoped. Um but that doesn't so and but then in two thousand twenty it was declared extinct as a name. Nobody was called Nigel. And you couldn't I, you, I suppose you couldn't really imagine. So, <laughs> oh, what a lovely baby. What's it called? It's called Nigel. The baby's called Nigel. It just doesn't doesn't occur anymore. So Nigel has died. So what it needs now is a, a funky Nigel to make it... Uh, I mean, the Nigels that are out there at the moment are not perhaps setting the best example. People don't want to to follow in their footsteps. After so all, all those gone. plans. After all those plans. Now, that's a nice joke for... Eddie, what Eddie plans? Nigel,
0: no, I'm lost. Sorry, guys.
1: Who's saying that? Making plans for Nigel? Who's saying it though? Uh, and for Nigel. Late seventies song. Making plans yeah. for Nigel. Yeah. Nigel uh, Tufnel was a character in Spinal Tap as well. I want to say, was it Elvis Costello? You want to say that? Well, you can say that. I think it might be wrong though. Nigel Harmon, the actor, is about to appear in Strictly, so maybe Nigel will make a comeback. I knew was, a Nigel. Go on. Well, there was a golfer called Nigel
2: Birch. Was well, there? You'd think there is still? A, and he was always I, in the I, trees, I, <laughs>
1: yeah. If you're he was
2: apparently at the age of 17 and 18, he played as an amateur in the Opens at Troon and Lytham. And the reason I was a bit late getting on to this was I was trawling through the fields for whenever the Opens of Lytham and Troon have been in the same, you know, have gone one after the other. Mm. And I couldn't find him in either 1996, 97 or 1988, 89
1: but um, apparently he did. Okay, so there we are, Nigel Burch. I yeah. knew Nigel Angus, who was a lovely man. He's a very good player at Prestwick. I caddied for him in the 1988 Scottish amateur at Brassey. Jim Milligan won that, who was a Walker Cup player. He was a bit of a legend in the Walker Cup because he, he chipped in uh, on the final green 1989 at Peachtree um, to beat, oh God, I keep forgetting forget whether Bruce Litsky, Bruce Litsky or Jay Siegel. I, I don't know
0: what you guys think, but what a fascinating segment this has been. Yeah,
1: so, um, but anyway, I caddy for him, I was a terrible caddy. So you talk about psychology in golf for a player, but if you've got a caddy who's, I remember at one point saying, because oh, it was because I played Brassy, and I said, oh, there's a bunker at 220, which I'm always going in there. And Nigel hit it into the bunker in one of his matches. And he was furious at me for pointing out that bunker. And then I locked his car keys in his car the same day. And Jock McVicker, this is my first meeting with Jock McVicker, the great Scottish writer, sadly no longer with us. They were writing about the Scottish Amateur, so he wrote about this idiotic caddy who'd locked Nigel Angus's keys in his car. And then he went on to uh, play a guy called Derek McJanet in the fourth round. And I said to Nigel, I said, oh, it was a really windy day. I said, oh, this guy's got a great swing for the wind, doesn't he? And so he's going, why are you begging up begging up my opponent? <laughs> anyway, Derek McJanet won from Baloch Mile, And then the headline in the Express, Jock McVicker's paper at the time, I think said, he was a he was a former minor, Derek McJanet. I probably should have said that before the headline. And he said it said major role for minor McJanet. And then last night I got on to thinking, wonder what Derek McJanet's doing now. And I ended up doing this internet search on Derek McJanet, and I found out he's now the head greenkeeper at Matlock Golf Club in Derbyshire. Um, and he won the British Greenkeepers Association Championship a couple of times, I think. But anyway, there we are. So. What I've learned from this Nigel section is I've learned that Derek McJanet is now a head greenkeeper at Matlock Golf Club in Derbyshire and has a restraining order out against me. So there we are. Oh, and I've also learned that uh, the Varyseder 1300 is an amazing piece of machinery because there was an article where Derek McJanet was <laughs> eulogizing about it, how good it was and how important it was that Matlock Golf Club had one now. So there we are. And if, uh, Nigel Chester has played in the last senior amateur. Oh, yeah. So he must uh, be father of Ashley Chester. Yeah, so yeah I do.
0: he is. I know Nigel. Yeah, she, yeah. yeah, Yeah.
1: Hoxton Park. Yeah. There we are. Anyway. Nigel Mansell played in the Australian Open. I think Greg Norman got him an invitation to play in the Australian Open. He did. In 1989. Oh just petering out and this we're Nigeling out and this. Are we leaving one. this bit in? Yeah, we're leaving all this in. Of course we
0: are. Anyway,
1: <laughs> right, what's up now what's up next? So Eddie, when are you heading off to northern ireland
0: i'll end to lanes. sleep in a minute uh no i'm heading off to northern ireland uh tomorrow tomorrow afternoon so in fact talking of bovines and they are cows aren't they before i say this <laughs> yes, yes. yes okay yeah. that's good yeah, yeah. school wasn't oh, very good school i remember watching tv last year this is a tournament where there's a farmer who always sits in the field next to the uh course with about 50 cows and uh, they zoom in on him every year so look out for the farmer that'll probably be the most entertaining part of the coverage this week Going oh, to have so. a practice round yeah i'm in the proam actually i mean oh, there's only okay. 10 of us playing last time i played i played with nikki from westlife yeah and his very strange friend who went for a wee on every other hole naked <laughs> around the course very very strange fella yeah. Do you know what i would
1: love if you turned up at Galgorm and in northern Ireland for this pro-am and it was three chinese businessmen you had to play with in the pro-am you go hang on a minute this is uh are you guys following me around hello thomas Yes. Um right, well I'm off to I'm off to Hungary for the World Athletics Championships. So uh golf in Hungary is not very big. Fourteen golf courses, I think seven eighteen hole, seven nine hole. So they need to uh step up their their golf game. Um Zala Springs, which opened in twenty sixteen is the is the best one now. Robert Trent Jones the second junior, his company. <sighs> hmm. If you I've, or anybody you know has been affected <laughs> by any of the issues raised in today's podcast, then you I'm, can email
0: us on the Chipping Forecast at foldingpocket.co.uk. It's probably time for us to go. What's funny is, is before the podcast, the producer was on telling us we need to double the listenership, and we've just come out with this <laughs> for the last twenty minutes. He's going to be furious.
1: Yeah, he said you need to double it from a 100,000 to 200,000 oh, just yeah. to add the context. That's what he said. Yeah. Anyway, um well, listen, uh, one way we can do that is if you do, forget this last section, forget this last section. If you do like this podcast, like, subscribe, review. Apparently, that is the way to get things going. We don't like asking for likes, but apparently that's the way of the modern world. So anyway, well, good luck to you all. Ian, what are you doing this week, apart from going to World of Golf to hit balls?
2: Yeah, I'm actually going to play on Wednesday. I'm going to go to the 100. I'm going to have a couple of days off and uh, I might even play cricket on Sunday and watch the football on Saturday. So loads of
1: sport. Um, Good. No, enjoy it. I hope you enjoy it. It'll
2: be good good fun. It'll be good fun.
1: Uh, Eddie, uh, well, good luck in Northern Ireland. We look out for you not going anywhere near the Bovines and just have a a great week. Thank you. Cheers. All the best, everyone. Bye for now. XTC. XTC
2: making plans for Nigel
0: and that completes this edition of the chipping forecast wishing you a safe and pleasant night
2: holding pocket